Hello, and welcome to the Humanitu Podcast, a podcast of conversations about humanness and creativity. I'm the creator and host, Adam Williams. Today's guest is Cody Oldham. As you will hear in this conversation, Cody is a rather precocious 15-year-old. He is a professional wildlife and landscape painter who lives with his family and several mountain lions that Cody's dad rehabilitates for Return to the Wild on 20 acres in the mountains of Colorado. He and I talked several weeks ago. That is, before I had set up the Humanity Podcast studio and before we all took our treat from the coronavirus pandemic. Cody and I recorded this conversation on my phone in a conference room above a gallery where he had a solo show of his work underway. So when you hear the occasional noise in the background, such as a toddler in the gallery below, uh, presumably exclaiming over Cody's sizable wildlife work, or how about when that person walks out a door that triggers an alarm, you'll know why. We talk about Cody's self-motivation, his influences and bold dreams, and we talk about his penchant for stylish menswear, why he wears a tie and pocket watch, even while he paints in his home studio. We talk about a number of things. So here it is, a conversation with Cody Oldham. Right now, we rehabilitate mountain lions. My father's been doing that for 20 years. Okay. I've been with those guys, living kind of with the mountain lions for like uh, basically my whole life, as long as I can remember. So if I, to kind of get into the nitty gritty of painting and where that began, I, uh, let's see here, in 2015 is kind of where I got my start. Okay. It was like my, my father was an artist at the time. We had a gallery in Salida and that's kind of what sparked the creativity. We only had that for about a year, a little less than a year actually. So we, it was probably about an hour and a half from where we lived. Everything's an hour and a half from where we are. <laughs> that, that gallery is kind of what got my spark in the creativity. I mean, my father's been, he's always been kind of a creative type. Um, in the 90s, he was a wildlife photographer and he did like double exposures like the old fashioned way before there was a digital came okay. along. And yeah. he did like, uh, he'd photograph wildlife from Yellowstone and he'd do double exposures. And he did that up until about 2003. And when uh, I was born, he started doing a lot of painting, like abstract work. He did that for a while. And then he went into farriering with horses. Yeah. And he did that up until 20, from like 2007 to 2014 is when he officially retired from that. And then he got back into the painting. And then we opened the gallery in 2015. Okay. And that's kind of what sparked it. And... I was like, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I tried like abstract and that was like, I tried it and I got really creative with it, but I only did a couple. It didn't really fly. And I kind of started doing wildlife and dinosaurs too. And dinosaurs were like every other kid. That's like what I had a big fascination in. I'd go to the dinosaur museum, like probably, we'd probably go there twice a week. That's, I've always had a, I always had a fascination in in them. And in 2015, I was kind of doing an assortment of everything, just kind of out of my head, like small stretch canvases. And and I kind of make this sound like it was a while ago, even though it was like five years ago. <laughs> it's a portion of your life. You're 15 now. Yeah, I mean, I that would have made me 10. So that's... And I did like, you know, it was just out of my head. I didn't really have any experience with painting. I've seen my father do it for so long. 
when I was like seven, eight, my father had a pretty big studio at our home, which is now kind of a centralized location for one of our mountain lions. Okay. And it was a pretty big space. And I would go in there and just like roll out a piece of canvas that hadn't been stretched or anything and just paint on it. And you could say that was kind of my beginnings. You could say like my whole life I've just been painting. But I didn't really actually start doing it every day until 2015. And then 2016, I did like dinosaurs. Like I don't, I was basically doing it professionally. And there's this artist who lives in New York. Uh, his name's James Gurney. And he's like a paleo artist. Okay. And he, did, he does like kind of hyper-realistic kind of renderings of dinosaurs. And he, he even found a dinosaur and people named it after him. And he, uh, he's like, he, he still is a pretty big inspiration to me. And I did basically, I did smaller dinosaurs, but it, I got up until the point where I was getting, I could call myself, I was getting really good at it. I kind of switched. And throughout 2016, it was like, it was kind of a big learning experience because I was starting to do it every day. It was what I was, you know, always doing. And I did that until, until the end of 2016 is kind of when things started mixing up a little bit more. And I found an artist, which is my good friend now, he's in New Zealand. And he does like these uh, large scale, sometimes small, kind of almost hyper-realistic images of like wildlife, mostly landscapes, uh, human portraits, stuff like that. And he follows a lot of the uh, kind of the uh, technique of the old masters. He's the one who really set the pace for me for where I am now. I first found out about him on YouTube and he only had like a video or two. And I just released my very first instructional tutorial on YouTube. Is a mentor a word you would apply to him? What do you mean? Like That he's a mentor for you, someone that you learn from and kind of teaches you and, and things like that? Pretty much, yeah. He, uh, in the beginning, it was more like uh, kind of learning more about him, reading his, all the stuff about him, watching his, he only had like two videos up when I first found out about him. Now he has like almost 100. Mm. So that's what I learned from him that really inspired me to do that. Right, and he did this uh, egret, a, uh, like a large cattle egret, and that inspired me to do that. So I kind of did a copy of that, but kind of in my own way, and that kind of like switched the light on for me. And then right after that, that's when I started producing wildlife pieces, and that's when I had my first called regular oil paint. And I did my first oil painting that I did that was just, that was my own. I wasn't copying anybody's. It was a mountain lion, and I still have that now. And then right after that is like the whole year of 2017 was basically like a bunch of experiments. I was trying with as real as I could get at the time. And then like almost kind of a, a refined impressionism almost where it was like impressionistic, but the lines weren't like very abstract. Okay. And I did like um, a lot of still lives, kind of Southwestern style still lives. And like a lot of just kind of plain animal portraits. I mean, right now I kind of try to do portraits with, that are kind of striking at the time, I didn't really know what that was. So I did like uh, pretty simple stuff that a lot of those paintings I've gone over and probably some of them are in the show right now underneath. Right now, I, I go in and if they're paintings that I did a while ago that I thought were really good at the time and they were just sitting in the basement or something, I want to bring them kind of back to the life again. So I go over them and then I'll do another painting over the top there's probably about four of those in the show that's going on now. Is, is that hard at all for you to do, to decide that th this work that you've already done, you're willing to completely cover over it and, and not have it anymore? Sometimes, 
Um, I just some. I mean, I, right now I've just recently started doing like I'll take the canvas off the frame and just roll it up so the canvas is being saved and I'll stretch a new one around it. Mm. But if sometimes that's not possible, like the uh, large elephant in the hallway downstairs, yeah. um, emerging out of the dust, that one was a painting. I did a dynamic New Zealand landscape and it had like eagles soaring over the peaks and it was a big snowy peak with kind of water misting and a river coming into the foreground. And I really liked that one. I wish I didn't have to go over that, but I, it was kind of a decision that I had to make because it was like, this is either going to have a, be painted over and it's going to be put in galleries and bring new life to it or it's going to sit in the basement because as a New Zealand landscape, people are not going to know what it is here. So I made the tough, tough decision to go over it. And right now I'm glad I did because I created one of my, personally, one of my favorite works on it. So I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it's difficult for you as a painter, knowing that this work is one of a kind. I would wonder if that's a bittersweet kind of experience. You're happy someone buys it, but you're also like, uh, I might I, never I, see that again. I have people say that to me all the time, especially my older sister. She always kind of, she, she likes to hang on to a lot of my work. And she's two years younger than me. And she likes to have like a lot of her my work hanging in her space, so she kind of feels a personal connection to it. She doesn't she really doesn't like to see it go. But with me as an artist, it's like I people ask me that all the time. And frankly, when a piece sells, I don't really feel like you know, ah, oh, I'm gonna miss that. I'm gonna I'm bummed or something like that. I feel like when it sells, I I have a sense of excitement. But right now, people are kind of buying an assortment of everything I'm doing. So that's like, I'm kind of all over the place. I do like still lives, wildlife portraits, wildlife with landscapes, just landscapes. That's exciting to, to yeah. be able to know and, and to express it the way you just did. People are buying a variety <laughs> of my work, you know. That's, yeah. Um, and sometimes people, when they, some artists, I, I see like uh, when people start buying one thing, they'll start painting that one thing. Uh -huh. I think that's that's the only thing that's going to work. I figured, like, you got to experiment with all kinds of different things. I was kind of doing that with wildlife portraits almost, but I figured, like, uh, I kind of have to expand. And right now I'm getting into landscapes, and I like doing, like, uh, 14ers. And I'm really getting into that, but it's like I've been doing so many of them where I kind of want to push it back and do start doing wildlife again just to kind of keep the cycle going instead of focusing on one thing you learn something about what people are drawn to because mm -hmm. it is that common thing of where especially if i think i hear it from those who are represented in galleries and they say this the gallery owner because this is what people are buying mm -hmm. so then they start they keep going to the artist saying well this is what i need more of this more of this right where they end up in this groove that they might not want to be in or they completely steered clear of it which meant then they didn't have the relationships with galleries and then they weren't selling and things like that yeah so when you describe that excitement is there more you can elaborate on there in terms of what that means about you're learning something that they're interested in that you are doing mm -hmm. but you are going across a range of of subject matter um, and skills and the, the things you're exploring so what is that excitement what can you elaborate on that sure First of all, I mean, like, I'm making a sale, which makes me excited. Some artists, like beginner artists, show their work to the public. They get nervous okay. because they don't know if people are going to like their work or not. Yeah. And I've never felt that way. Just for some reason, and I don't know why, I just don't feel any, like, 
bound to my work because it's like I think even before I start painting it I know it's probably gonna go somewhere else yeah. and I'll never see it again for the rest of my life so it's like that's kind of the whole thing as an artist you have to create and then let go that's what my father always says so even my my personally my favorite paintings I've ever done I don't really feel like bound to it a lot of us can be fairly neurotic with creating and nitpicking it all to death mm -hmm. and then maybe worrying about how it's perceived by others and worrying about whether or not it sells and all these things we're kind of already touching on yeah right it seems to me you've already got a, a, a solid grounding in I'm dedicated to it it's a more or less daily process of work for me mm -hmm. and I'm not going to cling to this piece that I've spent this amount of time on yeah. because I expect it to sell and go out into the world which a lot of people would say that's kind of the purpose. Whatever you're spreading through that painting or those paintings goes out into the world. Well, let me, I could put it this way. Basically, it's like any work I create, I know it's going to go out into the world. I'm creating it for the people who are going to buy it. So it's kind of almost like a, you could say a commission almost because it's like you know you're, gonna, you're creating for those people. It's going to be in their house or their office and they're gonna, it's going to be on that wall and they're going to enjoy it for a very long time, hopefully. And... That's kind of what makes it so I don't feel any attachment to it. Why do you paint? It's it's something that just kind of, I guess, came to me naturally. I just didn't really think, like, I'm going to be an artist. It's just something that I just started doing gradually over time. And whenever I create, it's like not, not much thought is going through my head. because It's like I know I have to go in and paint. And so basically, like, when I work, I'll turn on music. And sometimes a podcast. Yeah. Like most of the time I listen to kind of pop rock music, like like certain bands like One Republic or Matchbox 20 or something like yeah. that. And I'll play that. And, so, and I'll just kind of start painting. And nothing's really, because it's almost like subconsciously, like I just, I know what I have to do, but I'm not thinking about it. Huh. Like I know I have to cover this part of the canvas today. But when I sit down and start working, I don't really think like, you know, how many trees am I going to add? How blue should it be? Because it's like deep down, I, I in my like subconscious, I already know that. So it's like I just basically kind of hone in and just start working. And I don't, nothing really goes through my head. I just kind of move with the rhythm of the music and kind of enjoy myself. Basically, you're keeping your mind, those cycles of thought that a lot of us have, mm -hmm. out of it. And you're going with the feel of it. Right, yeah. And... So that's why I say it sounds great for you to just get in there into the studio space and enjoy what you're doing mm -hmm. and allow what that is in you to come out as a painting that then goes out into a gallery, gets sold and goes, I, I just, I hope you keep that forever. Yeah. Don't, don't let any of the neurotic things that so many of us get to adulthood and then we're like, yeah. we're, we're, we limit ourselves, all humans, not, not just adults, but so many of us are in a place where we limit ourselves with those fears, like you said, of always oh, something like this, or the ways we think or try to calculate what's going to make this painting great or whatever, instead of just getting our mind out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, really, I mean, sometimes I, I mean, it's really rare, but a lot of artists do several paintings at a time. Yeah. I feel that's too cluttered for me. Yeah. I often like want to do one work and just focus on that one work and not have anything else going on. I mean, right now I just put a little painting aside of a kind of a a uh, Victorian style still life 
and it was kind of it was we're going fairly well but I just there's some paintings and it's really rare where I just don't really enjoy it it's just something deep down it's just I'm not really like my like my brain is almost filtering through like what could I do to get away for a minute like go out lunch go outside do something and when I start getting that cycle I know something's wrong but like I know deep down I know I don't want to paint this and that's kind of what's been going on with still lives but it really clicks when I do landscapes okay. because I can almost I could sit there and just paint for hours without thought like I think my longest working my longest day of working was probably eight hours were you aware of it as that was happening were you aware of how much time was passing kind of I mean it's like I, I always have my watch on me so it's like I'm always like you know sometimes I'll look at the clock and be like it's three o'clock and I'm not tired at all I still want to keep going it was really mm -hmm. unusual mm -hmm. but working that period of time it's like kind of a machine almost where it's like wow I'm still going and I know I kind of am aware of the time but it's just like sometimes during you most of the time at the end of the day I, after painting usually about four or five hours I get pretty tired my eyes kind of, my vision kind of gets pretty blurry after looking at something up close for several hours those days happen every once in a while and when they do it's like this is awesome because it's like I tip I don't even have this much creative energy going and then some days it's like I only get two hours in how do you balance this with schoolwork or what what is do you do you do school at home do you go yeah. so okay yeah I'm, I'm homeschooled so basically my whole day right now I it's my I can make up my own schedule I I usually get up early during the week, I usually do schoolwork probably about four or five about four or five days a week. I do I use this course called Crash Course, which is basically like um, kind of high school, college level stuff you you can learn about anything. My right now, my father is going into the fire service. He's going to be a firefighter. Okay. And you like wildland. Uh, like structure city okay. departments. Okay. So. He's he, we've been he's been spending almost a year getting certifications, hmm. and I was allowed to go with him to all the, these places. I went with him that whole time, and it was basically that was kind of my school you could say. So I wasn't doing stuff much stuff at home, because I was doing that probably about four hours, probably about three night three or almost sometimes four nights a week. So that was kind of my school almost, but I was just auditing class. That really opened up things for me how do you mean that uh well like being out because breckenridge is high in the mountains which like what sparked a lot of the paintings that i have shown right now okay because being up there we i took probably hundreds of pictures of the landscapes because last summer was pretty incredible it was incredibly green it was like green valleys and the peaks were covered in snow and my uh, view from where I sat in the classroom was this big window looking out at, at the peaks. And sometimes I, when I paint an image, depending on like if it's a stronger memory, it kind of takes me right back. And that happens with music too. That's kind of what I did all last summer. And that's why I did a majority of landscapes last summer because I was just kind of immersed in all these beautiful landscapes. And we did a lot of climbing, like climbing 14ers and four-wheeling and all that. Your dad, it, it strikes me too that you've mentioned a number of changes in his life or career, however he would, whatever word he would use to describe that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that 
plus his creativity and art and willingness to change focus of what he's doing would seem to me to be influential. It is. It's like he has this really go-to attitude. Like, if I'm going to stay on this path and I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. So that's his mindset. That's kind of where my mindset is going, and I find that so incredible. Hmm. Because it's like if you're going to do something and you know, and you know you can do it, just do it and do it to the best of your abilities, to the bit, do it the best you can. So I go with him to all this sort of thing. And right now he's in Fire Academy, which is kind of like, it's like pre-military. So it's like, it's interesting being in an environment like that because for me, it's like, I can't exactly be in the studio all seven days working. I can get pretty, uh, what should I say, just riled up and I just, I need to get out. Get agitated like you're just cooped up and... Yeah, pretty much because I can do about four days of straight work until I just, I need to get out. So typically we'll we'll go somewhere like to get kind of we'll like sometimes go climbing, hiking, or we'll just go on a big road trip. But it's just kind of these influential things that kind of almost like it doesn't really matter what it is. But if I go out and do something that's like something different and exciting, if I focus on something else for like a day or two and then I come back to the studio, I feel more refreshed and sure. Uh, and then I'm ready for another like four days of straight work. But it's usually about two days out of the week. I need something kind of uh, something else going on for me. It would seem besides just with your painting and living where you live and some of the things that you're describing that being outdoors, being in nature, in the mountains, maybe specifically. Yeah. Is also something that you need in your life that has meaning in your life. Yeah, I mean, I've been growing up in the mountains. That's where I was born. That's where I've been raised. So being, uh, like, last year is when I was kind of the first time that we really got into climbing and hiking. Last year is when I did, like, climb my first 14-year, Mount Democrat. And that's what the larger work downstairs is from the top, the mountain goat. That one uh, is from the top. So it's just, like, it's kind of gives me multiple reasons to go it gives me a chance to focus on something else and I can sometimes get sometimes like I said get away from painting for a couple days and then when I come back I feel fresh and plus I'm also thinking about painting on those trips too because I can collect several different reference photos because whenever I take a photo I'm thinking is this going to create a good composition for a painting that's like a lot of the other things I'm thinking about while I'm on the mountain no wait Quandary Peak was my first 14 and Okay. Um, that's the one that's that I've painted mostly because it's a pretty unique mountain, the first one. And that was it was something really different for me because I never actually went climbing before. Okay. Even though it's like I spent my whole life in the mountains, I never actually did a climbing like that. So that's kind of what climbing has done for me is set up all these new opportunities with my painting as well. Because otherwise your references probably are photos that come from elsewhere, right? I mean, do you look stuff up on the internet or whatever else in books or something like that? Pretty much. So now it's a transition to you immerse yourself in the subject matter of at least with the landscapes. Pretty much. I mean, if it's a subject that I can't really photograph, like, like, for example, if it was like African lions or elephants or something like something doing something dramatic in a landscape... I can't really go out and photograph that myself mm-hmm. right now. So it's like I have to go on the web and find kind of certain images. 
And most of the time I'll have one main image and then I'll lay, then I'll have like two or three others that I take elements from those and put them in there. I'm curious if you notice a difference in your process, maybe how you feel while painting a mountain that is based on one that you've climbed, one that you have made yourself, the reference photos versus one that you've not been able to get to. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Knowing where it's like if I'm painting an image and I took that picture, I can know like, you know, right off the edge here, this was here. Like you can, I feel, I mean, you could say I feel a bit of a more of a connection with those because I, I was there. I saw that. Right. Versus an image I got off the web where it's like off the corners of that image, I don't know what else there was. Right. And it happens really where it's like this kind of image comes into my head of this certain scene. It's like, okay, there, I don't have a photo and I can't find a photo. There's not a photo out there that exists that, that kind of fits my you know, imaginary image that I have in my head. So when that happens, I typically have to grab probably dozens of other photos and put them together to kind of resemble that. Right. And that, that it's happening less and less. It's typically like I scroll through my own photos until I find an image that I'm happy with. You have recently released your first tutorial. Yeah, painting uh, the 14 <clears throat> Mount Snuffles. Who are you directing those to or, or why do you want to add that into the mix of where you're putting your attention and time? Well, it's more like I mean, as a young artist, I want to show other up-and-coming artists my age that they can do it as well. And I kind of like that, like the feeling of that, of teaching other people how to do something. Sharing what you've learned. Yeah, yeah. So I think the message I like try to convey is just to younger artists showing that they, they can do it. And if, if you think you can do it, do it. Most of my audience, most of the people that like follow me and watch what I do are in between like 25 and 35, that range. There's actually very few young artists who are like my age and a little younger, a little older, because a lot of them don't really like have the support of their like parents mm. to say, yeah, go for it. Because it is rare for to have that because my father and my mom, they, they were super supportive of it, which is why like I, I can do it every day all the time so that's kind of what I want to direct my message to is to younger artists even artists who are like older who are like just retired or something and they want to become an artist too and I want to convey that message to them too saying they can do it I think I've mentioned to you my sons are seven and nine right now yeah and they know who you are and your work because we get to be able to say yes he's older than you which to them probably it's a big gap mm-hmm. in their minds right now but it still is these things are possible and he started when he was not much older than you yeah it's like so it's and then nice I, to be able to do that i mean there's like these other <clears throat> like uh, people who kind of do what i do like kind of like you could say child prodigies of like people so some people what they call me is like you know kids who are kind of like you know gifted this and they have it right off the bat i mean that's not really the case I mean, there's, uh, there's like, I hear of other artists who are my age who are doing better than me financially with their art. So that's like, I want to be there. And I want to be, I want to be in a position where I'm like 20 and I'm making full income off my art. So having like that constant goal to do that is kind of what pushes me to do it. Like I was talking about, like with the mindset of if you're going to do it, do it well. 
and don't have any hesitation to do it. My entire career, I've never really said, maybe this isn't for me. A big goal of mine is to open up my gallery, a large gallery, like probably I'd say it's gonna be like half gallery, half studio space. It'd be the front building would be the whole gallery, and if there'd be this backspace, that would be my workspace, my studio. And I plan to do that by the time I'm 18, 19. Wow. So that's kind of like my big, you could say, what Andrew calls it, shoot for the stars goals. I love that. So Because I, I don't know, I mean, it seems like you are aware, but I, I just see this as a rare package of that, um, the attitude that, you're, that you learned from your dad to really go for it. And maybe from Andrew too, and whoever your mom and whoever the other influences are, but to have that confidence and believe that when I paint this, it's mm. it's yeah. for the purpose of selling and it will sell. And it's attitude and perspective makes so much difference. Most people go into it and we're like, oh man, I don't know. That'd be really cool one day, but I don't know. Cause I've got 50 reasons I can think of for you right now why I'm gonna fail. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, but, and I love that you're not letting that get in your way because yeah. it's it's such a tremendous. You're gonna get whatever you you think of. Right. I mean, whenever there's something negative and positive about a situation, I typically weigh them out. And if there's more negatives than positives, I try to eliminate as much negatives as I can and focus more on the positives. But if it's like if it's negatives I can handle, and the positives are good, I'm gonna do it. We always, we're talking about what a gallery is going to do because it's going to, cost, it's going to be, take a lot of money to do that. I probably am going to rent a space for the first time and see how it goes for me. And if it goes well, I'll buy the space. And by then, I mean, I hope to have, if I'm having a constant source of income, I'm going to do it. Like if I, for, for say, if I have like, if I sell almost every painting I do by that time, which is also my other goal is by the time I'm 18, I want to, every work I do, I want it to sell like right away. Because I think in order to be an artist and make a full income off of that, nothing else is to paint a work or a series of work and then they sell and that kind of repeats itself. By the time I'm 18, 19, 20, that's where I want to be. Sounds like you've given it all a lot of thought. Like you're, you're planning, you know where you're headed. Right now, even as just 15, I'm really trying to plan for the future, like plan out everything, every little thing I'm going to do. So you were on the 21 under 31 list yeah. for um, Southwest Art. For me, it's a little bit funny to think about under 31 and you're under 16. Yeah. I've been reading Southwest Art Magazine for a long time now, and it is one of the biggest art magazines uh, in this, basically in the western half of the U.S., and it's like, I want to show one of my pieces in there. And they, they do the 21 or 31 every September. So I thought, that's, a good, that's kind of a good starting point for me to get into the magazine. Southwest start. this is a big deal. And uh, I guess one of my goals, one of my bigger goals in terms of like, you know, reading magazines, papers, all that, is to have one of my, like a full length article in Southwest Start. Like one of the main featured articles in some yeah. of those are. It's just like the the problem with it is is like a lot of these people who have like four pages of like a full article, they're usually older. They're like in their sixties or something. And it's like I don't think my story, since I'm only fifteen and I've only been painting really for five years, I don't have a big of enough story to cover that broad of a all those pages. So I was thinking like, well maybe like 
you know, when I have a little bit more experience under my belt, I mean, even though I, I call myself a professional, but it's like, I think even for professionals, there's still so much to learn. You, you, it's just limitless. You're always learning new things to sure. apply to your technique. So that's kind of like one of my smaller goals is to get into like have a full article in the bigger magazines and all that. And that's the thing about doing something that's like hard that like has really positive benefits towards the end, but it's a really hard process. And I'm just kind of applying this to any anything you do in life, really. Where it's like if it's really, really hard, but it has really, really uh, good output towards the end of it, it's like it's going to be really hard going through the process. But once you get done with it, you're going to be really glad you did it. When I'm 16, 17, I think it's kind of like I have these big things I want to do. I think like big things are going to come up suddenly, but you just don't know what they are. You have so much on the ball with what you're doing and ambitions that, and being a professional artist already. Mm-hmm. And I think nowhere in here have you mentioned, well, my parents are contacting these people or they're doing this or what, like you are driving your career and they are I mean, supporting you is the impression I have from what you're saying. Like you are the yeah. one contacting galleries. You're the one who's talking about your ideas and plans and they're there to, to back you up. Sounds right. like. I mean, my mom, she's the one that helps me quite a bit when it comes to like, uh, stuff all about like setting up things on computers I mean like setting up a YouTube channel that was fairly complex for me and she helped me quite a bit with that setting up a website my website and all that these fairly complex things I mean I think once I know get them down they're not going to be very complex but for me right now the stuff that has to do with all the stuff on computers and all that it's just like it's it's for some reason it's hard for me to really understand it right off the bat so she helps me quite a bit since her job revolves around like financing and all that okay so she's okay. really good with all that. That's another point that's kind of the opposite of what I'm thinking. If people were to think of a stereotypical 15-year-old, mm-hmm. it's somebody who is sleeping till noon on the weekends. They give a lot of attitude. They don't have ambition and goals, and they certainly don't have five-year plans mm-hmm. and whatever else, right? And that's just normal. Like, that's not knocking them. That's, I don't want to use the word normal. It's common. But when it comes to the technology, mm-hmm. Most people tend to assume teenagers know all about that, whereas us older people, will you help me? So it's really interesting <laughs> yeah. that that's another example of, um, I see that as your focus on what you're doing, mm. perhaps. I mean, I'm it's more... just, are you aware of that? I guess, I, I, I mean this in all the best senses. Like sure. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued because of how much you have together and what's going on and that that's not what any 15-year-old I'm probably never going to meet again is like. I mean, I guess I haven't really thought much about it that way. Sure. I mean, my sister's my older sister. Okay. Uh, she uh, She's getting into music. So, okay. And my youngest sister, she is 10, she's uh, kind of getting into the whole uh, illustration. Like, she does these really good cartoons. Mm-hmm. And she can just, and they're like, you know, co- like kind of like comic books. Like, if you're to Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. She does kind of stuff like that, but with, she's made up her own characters, and she is like probably books, and she just takes a regular paper and draws up these pretty, pretty cool, uh, like illustrations of cartoon characters doing engaging with something. So that's kind of what she does, and then she does photography. So she's like really all over the place with the creative, with creativity. She's like doing all these different things, and then my older sister and me, 
uh, we're just kind of we've kind of just focused on one thing and we're doing that one thing and we're all homeschooled and we kind of run out we kind of make our, our own schedules I get up at most of the time like Monday through Thursday or Friday I get up at 5:30, and I'll do like my schoolwork on platform crash course which crash course is a platform I learned from EMT because he played one of the videos in the lectures and it was it was pretty it was like they make it so you learn a lot but they also make it super hilarious so it's like it keeps you engaged mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's the platform I'm learning on now and I'm learning about astronomy since astronomy is something that I like I'm really fascinated by just learning about it so I, I do that until like uh, seven o'clock in the morning. And, and you're self driven in your your education. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I take pages and pages of notes off those videos, and then I do about an hour or two in the morning, and then I then I do all the chores and stuff to kind of help out help out it with everyone else, and then I paint kind of in this big gap during the day. Usually about a you know it could be a seven hour gap in the middle of the day and then early like early in the morning later in the evening I do other things like hang out with my family clean up the house all that stuff sounds like you have a fantastic family <laughs> yeah yeah my I mean like I said my father is always super supportive of what I do my father helps me with more on the technique side of painting of just the painting itself and then my mom helps me with the business side of it like marketing since she's all about since it's basically what she does like marketing how to grow your business and I've been growing my following quite quite a bit and then I and then that kind of grew into the YouTube realm and YouTube is something I'm going to continue doing like making hundreds of videos so I'm about to have two instructional videos on painting landscapes so I'm when those are done I'm going to start doing like these like probably five or six minute videos on like these little things that you can do to help paint with painting. I want to ask about, you said, and it might have been on the Southwest Art thing, there was kind of a, a brief Q&A that you filled out. You mentioned you're wearing bow ties, you're dressing nice. Obviously, you're dressed very nice, I think, right now today. And I'm curious about where that comes from because the way it was worded in the answer you provided in that Q&A online was when you're painting, when you're hiking, that basically I will never see you in a t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, I think I might be, it might have been exaggerating a little too much when it comes to like wearing right. a bow tie hiking. Because if I'm doing actual hiking, sure, I'm wearing okay. a fleece and stuff <laughs> like that. But I still don't literally let well, it. Are you wearing me. jeans or are you wearing slacks? I'll, I'll wear kind of pants like this. But kind so of more, kind, of, kind of dockers or slacks kind of. Yeah, but something that's comfortable to hike in, something that's easier. And then I'll like, if it's cold out, I'll wear a wool flat cap or something like that. Sometimes, a lot of times, I wear jeans too, but I kind of wear them with style. So I like, you know, put dress boots on and make sure they they fit well and all that. And I don't I don't really know where it came from because my father is always is kind of the he usually wears like work boots, jeans, Henleys, stuff like that. It's kind of like with painting where it's like it's just something I just started doing and something I've I've never really detached from because I always say it makes me feel more confident in what I do. Because I kind of observe how I feel when I'm wearing a Henley and jeans versus like a vest and tie or something, wearing a pocket watch and stuff like that when I'm painting. I kind of compare that those two. It's like it, it's noticeably different for me. Do you wear a tie and pocket watch when you're painting? Um, a lot of times, yeah. 
Yeah, and I used to wear aprons, but I don't anymore. I, I've kind of trained myself to stay clean while I'm painting. So it's like, <laughs> I, keep, I don't hold my palette. I keep it on this tray right in front of my easel. My style of painting, it's not that messy at all. Because it's all about like little brushes, and because okay. it basically stays right here. Okay. It's not like I'm holding the palette. Small movements, small brushes. Small. Right. Yeah, so... You're, you're wearing... what? These are wingtips, right? Is that what we call this style? Yeah. So that's that's just really typical shoes for you to wear and... Yeah, to, I mean... To look nice, to feel nice. Yeah, exactly. And I sometimes I, I... Given where we live, I sometimes have to just wear jeans and work boots if I'm going to... If, like, firewood or go out in the snow, I have to wear that sort of stuff because I can't go in the snow and this sort of stuff. But I typically I'll wear this... And if I go outside, I'll change. I'll just put on my work boots. But like, even if it's super cold out, I don't. And I'm just gonna go outside the house and do stuff outside. I'll like wear a leather jacket. And it's not like uh, it's just my like my sisters and sometimes my dad. They they kind of give me a hard time about it, but like in a in a loving way where it's like they're not really being completely serious about it. Sure. So. I just like I enjoy doing it and it shows respect for the people around me it shows that I care and you know I get all kinds of compliments because like painting it's like it's not it's really rare to see a 15 year old wearing like I mean I kind of dive into classic menswear like what like men wore in like the 20s like I, I'm thinking of the of the classic matter that people I mean jeans haven't always been around sweatpants shorts you know athletic <laughs> leisure clothes they, these things haven't always been around tennis shoes right yeah sneakers whatever you call them and people would wear suits men would wear suits and hats yeah regardless basically of what they were doing almost maybe I mean, if you worked on the farm you'd have a pair of jeans just so they would be more durable but yeah yeah I mean I mean I always love it when I see like a photo uh, like an old photo because people don't really did, very few people hardly any people do it anymore where it's like they're outside on doing a plein air painting in the woods and they literally have a sport coat or a blazer and a tie-on with a fedora. It's like, I, like, I want to do that too because it's just, because back then that's what you wore. You didn't know anything else to wear and these days there's so many other things to wear that very, because basically people assume if you're dressed nice you're probably doing business or something like that where I just do it because I enjoy it. Most of the time, what I wear throughout the week is like a polo shirt and chinos. I don't show any negativity at all towards people who dress the way they do because that's the way they are. And this is just who I am. All right, that's today's sit down with Cody Oldham, a young and accomplished artist with a huge horizon ahead. As always, if you have constructive comments on the podcast, you can reach me by email at adam at humanitude.co or by Instagram direct message at Humanitou. Let me hear from you. And let those close to you hear from you too. If you think this podcast series about humanness and creativity is something they also are into, I appreciate your spreading the word. You can follow, listen, and download the Humanitou podcast on our site, humanitou.co, and through the major podcast players. And one more thing. People are having a tough time out there. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's your neighbor. Let's take care of each other. And with that in mind, now I'll leave you with this final question. How are you living humanness and creativity in your life? I'm your podcast creator and host, Adam Williams. Thanks for being here.